Well, hey everybody, good to see you again. Thanks for joining me from home and uh, stepping into my office for a minute. As you can see, I got some books behind me. I think I need to fill up a little bit more space on this side. Maybe this is the first time you've been in here and you've seen a little bit different than what Pastor Tim had it. But it's great to be with you today and it's great to just kind of have a conversation here at the end of the year. And what I want to do today is really kind of focus on where we find ourselves in the year. This is the last Sunday of 2020. If you're watching this later, you've connected through the podcast. And so we're processing what 2020 was like and kind of figuring out what we do moving forward into 2021. I think 2021 has a lot of expectations attached to it. And I think for many of us, understandably, we're ready to get out of 2020. I even saw a cartoon or heard a joke. I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but it was a history class. And so the class was going through history and they were turning in their history books and they get to 2019 and they learn about 2019 and then they turn the page and it's 2021 and someone in the class raises their hand and says, but where's 2020? And the teacher says, well, we don't talk about 2020, right? You don't want to learn about 2020. We're just going to forget that 2020 even existed. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe you feel like, let's just crumple up 2020 and throw it in the trash. But I think that there's some good that can come out of 2020. I think there's some really good things we can learn about ourselves. And and there's things that God calls us to in the midst of years like 2020. And we can learn what God's will is for us at those times. And so that's what we want to do today. That's the conversation we're going to have today. Now, things look very different today. You're at home. I'm in my office. So let's do things that are a little bit different. I would love for you to grab a piece of paper like this one and maybe a pen. And and I have some questions I want to walk with us through and kind of think about in how you're processing 2020. Okay, so let me give you a couple of questions. First of all, what plans did you have in 2020 that didn't come to pass? What plans did you have that you just didn't get to do in 2020? Maybe for some of us, it was a vacation. Our family had this problem. We planned a vacation about a year ago now. We were supposed to go in June. We still did go on vacation in June, but it didn't look the way that we planned. And in fact, that vacation that we planned for June is not going to happen until September of next year because we planned it for December and it had to get moved again. So maybe you're like us and and your vacation got moved twice, three times, whatever it might have been, but you've had to deal with that. Maybe it was a wedding. Maybe it was your wedding. Maybe it was a wedding you were supposed to go to and you ended up not being able to go to that wedding or it didn't look the same. I had to live stream a wedding for somebody this year because they just couldn't invite as many people as they wanted to. How did being stuck inside change you this year? How did being stuck inside impact you as a person? Did it make you happy that you could work from home? Did it drive you nuts? Now, I don't bring up these questions just to make you feel like you want to be frustrated again. I don't want to bring up the frustration again. I don't, I don't want just to start this off with just negative thoughts all over the place. But here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get us to the place where we're processing what are we thinking about 2020? What were the things that changed us? What had the most impact on us in 2020? And maybe at some point in the frustration, in the stress, maybe you asked the question, does God care about what's happening right now? Is God in control of what's happening right now? And to be honest, it's a question that maybe a lot of us asked. And I saw another cartoon. This time I remember it was a cartoon and I saw it. And it was, it was 
two angels. And there was the archangel and there was a, a secondary angel. And the archangel looked at the second angel and said, hey, did you plan all the stuff that are supposed to be disruptions for the 2020s? And that second angel looks back at the archangel and says, wait, you wanted me to plan those out for all the 2020s? The archangel says, yeah, you didn't put them all in 2020, did you? Now, that's terrible theology. That is not the way things work in heaven. It's not the way God plans things, right? But you get the picture. It was kind of the idea of like, is God understanding what's happening right now? Is, is God in control of what's going on? Every time I turn on the news this year, there's something else I should be afraid of. There's something else I should prepare for, right? How many of you went and got bug spray for murder hornets? You know, we thought those were coming. And, and we just thought, is God, like, is he paying to, what person in their right mind would plan or allow a year like this to happen? Now, what if there is a reason even though we don't get it, even though we seem, it seems to us like God isn't in control, what if there is a reason God is allowing these things to happen? What if it's actually all part of his plan? Charles Spurgeon, a famous theologian and pastor, had a, a famous saying, and maybe you've heard it before, but I want to read it for you. He said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Now that sounds extremely uncomfortable to me. And maybe you've been in a situation where waves were coming and they were pushing you against something that was an immovable object. And you just couldn't get out and you were stuck and you just weren't able to move out of that space and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing you. And maybe that's the way you felt this year. Wave after wave and you just couldn't get out and you felt stuck, you felt frustrated, you didn't know what to do. But here's what I think Spurgeon is trying to teach us. He's trying to say, there are things that are going to come in life that are unexpected. There are things that are going to come in life that are not going to be convenient. And they're going to push us to a place where we have to rely on God. Where the only thing that can help us is to rely on Him to take care of the things that we cannot take care of. And because of that, Spurgeon says, he learned to kiss those things. He learned to embrace those things because he recognized that those things are only going to move him closer in his walk with Jesus. In fact, I think that the things that drive us to our knees and cause us to only seek Jesus can be some of the best things that ever happened to us. They don't seem like it at the time. They don't seem like the things that we really want to engage with, but those things that drive us to a place where our only reliance is on Jesus can be some of the best things to happen in, in our lives because they cause us to grow closer in our relationship with him. So let's ask some different questions about 2020. Let's think a little bit differently about it. Let me ask you four other questions. Here's the first one. What is one really good thing that happened in 2020 that you didn't expect? I have two to share with you. One is a little bit more um, vain and I shouldn't be as worried about it, but one is also really great. The first one that I'm talking about that's a little bit more personal is I got a pickup truck for the first time and I love my pickup truck. I, pickup truck, it was always something that I wanted and I was just never able to get and this year it just worked out. I needed a new car and I was able to get my truck and you'll see me drive it in and out of the church parking lot. I love it. Some of you have asked me is the long drive something that bothers me and I, my honest answer is not if I get to spend it driving 
my truck and I love it. Okay, so that's just me being, you know, whatever. I should love my truck less. But here's the second thing. We didn't know that we were going to have Carter this year. Carter is our three-month-old little boy. We love him. We had no idea that we would have him this year. So what are the things that you got in 2020 or, or came to pass in 2020 you didn't expect that were positive? Here's question number two. What new aspirations or goals do you have as a result of 2020? What new projects did you start? What new thing did you decide to pursue because of 2020? I think 2020 made our view of things a little bit different. And so we got to engage with those things and we got to change our perspective and try some new stuff. And so what new goal do you have for 2020 or coming out of 2020, I should say? Number three, what new hobby did you pick up during 2020? We all found ourselves maybe having a little bit more time, right? So what new hobby? Did you try and buy a bike? Because apparently bike riding was the thing to do and nobody could find a bike to purchase. I found myself in a situation where I was able to get an offset smoker. And so I spent some of my summer working on my being able to cook some ribs and being able to do some pork and stuff like that. And so that was something that I got to enjoy. But what new hobby, what new skill did you learn? Because you got to spend some extra time at home in 2020. Last question. How did you grow in a positive way in 2020? You know, when we think about these things, you think about the first set of questions I asked you, and now you think about these next four questions I asked you. Some of it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? It's a matter of thinking about the negative versus the positive. And when we focus on the positive, it makes 2020 feel a little bit different, doesn't it? In fact, I was working on this lesson for us today, and I was going through some of my materials and walking through some things, and I actually opened an email right when I was done preparing that was my wife having gone through all of 2020 and listing all the good things that we got to do this year. And she sent it to me, and she said, feel free to fill out and add some new things that I missed. You know, I was going to challenge you to do this and my wife just did it automatically. She didn't even know that I was going to ask people to do it, but I want to challenge you to do that. Go through and make a list of all the positive things that came out of 2020 because I think it might change our perspective a little bit. It might change the way we look forward and it might help us leverage some of those really good things so that we can use them in the future. You know, I want to spend some time looking into God's word a little bit because there's a passage I want to look at together today that I think gives us some information and some perspective on what we should do when we find ourselves in situations like we were in 2020. Like when we find ourselves in situations that aren't necessarily going the way that we planned. And so to do that, I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 12 to 18 together, and then we're going to walk through exactly what Paul is teaching the church of Thessalonica in this passage. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, Verses 12 to 18, it says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Verse 14, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. 
Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So he gives us some information here that we can process and think about and kind of figure out, okay, so what is God's will for our reaction in some of these situations? How do we figure out what we're supposed to do? And Paul gives us nine things in this passage. I know there's a lot. We're going to walk through them quickly together. But let's just think about what he said. The first thing that he said was warn those who are idle and disruptive. That's an interesting place to go, isn't it? Warn those who are idle and disruptive. What could he mean by that? Well, I think one of the things that Paul was doing here at the beginning is he's protecting the unity of the church. Remember, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a church. So when we think about it, we can think in the context of our church. What happens when somebody is idle? They're disconnected. They're not engaging with church. Or, or if someone's disruptive, they're, they're actively hurting the unity of the church. And I think what Paul is saying is, hey, we need to be people who are engaging with church, who are connected with what's going on, especially at times that are difficult. And we need to make sure that we're not disrupting the unity of the group. So think about that in your own life. Think about if you've been idle or disruptive and kind of ask God what to do with that. And I would challenge you to make the changes you need to make if you think you might fall into that category. The second thing is this, encourage the disheartened. I don't think it was hard to find disheartened people this year, was it? And maybe you felt that way. Maybe you were depressed. Maybe you were feeling just down and every day. It was even hard to get out of bed. I think many of us have been there and no one would blame you for that. But we as the church should also then look around for the people who are feeling disheartened and say, how can I encourage you? And we come alongside one another and we pick people up when they're feeling that way. There's a specific way I want us to do that. We're going to come back to number two and and the others here in a second. And there's specifically something we can look forward to in 2021 that I think will help in this place. Number three, Paul said, help the weak. You think about what it means to be weak, right? You don't have the resources you need. You don't have the things that you need in order to get by. You've got a deficiency in in your strength, whether it's your physical strength or your ability to connect with other people. And when that happens, we need to come along one another and provide for the needs that we have. To look at somebody else's weakness and say, I have a strength there. I can provide for that. I can step in and help you in that way. And Paul says we should look for those people and be able to come alongside and help them. Number four, be patient with everyone. Enough said, I think, there, right? Maybe it was easier this year to become impatient, to become frustrated, to lose our temper. He says, be patient with everyone. Be patient with the person who you don't like. Be patient with the coworker who's not paying attention to the Zoom call. Be patient with, dare I say, the politician? That's a little bit scary, but be patient with everyone, right? Like, that's what Paul says, be patient. Be someone who is of patience. And maybe that was even difficult with the people that were in our own homes this year. But he says, be patient with everyone. Number five, be sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Have you been there? Have you been wronged? He says, don't return wrong for wrong, but stem the tide of doing wrong with doing what's right. Number six, always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. And remember last week at church, I ended our conversation, our Christmas Sunday conversation with live each day as though you are not the most important person in the world. And what's Paul saying here? He's saying, put others first. Always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Look to do what's good 
for everybody, not just for you. So in these first six, they kind of focus in on one specific place and they focus the church outwardly. Everything Paul says here is an outward focus. And it's part of the church being able to come around each other and engage with one another and take care of one another. And in 2021, we are looking to do that better than ever. And so what we're doing, and we're going to do this in April, you can look forward to it. We'll have information for you. We're going to relaunch our group's ministry. And why do we think groups are so important? Because when we read verses that say, help the weak, encourage the disheartened, always strive to do what's good for each other. Part of that means that we have to be engaged with com- in community with one another so that when somebody is disheartened, when somebody is weak, we know who that is and we can come around them. And when you're the one who feels disheartened, you're the one who feels weak, you have a community around you that you can go to because you trust and you say, I need some help. Can you just put your arm around me? And we go back to what Spurgeon said, right? Kissing the wave that crashes us into the rock. It feels a lot different when you've got somebody else there helping you, standing beside you when those waves are coming in, doesn't it? So there's a couple of challenges, a couple of things I want to think about when we look at these six. First of all, personally, I want us to go back through this passage, these verses that are outward focused and say, which one do I need to be better at? Do I need to be better at encouraging people who are disheartened? Do I need to be better at not being idle? Do I need to be better at being patient? Pick one. Go back to this verse over and over again. Maybe this week you go back a couple of times next week. Just say, how am I doing with that? And how can I improve in my ability to be the things that Paul says we should be in these situations? Now, the last three verse, the numbers seven through nine are the things Paul talks about. He turns it inward. It's not outward anymore. It's not about what other people need. It's about what you need to do. And he says these things. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will. So he says rejoice always. And you might say, well, how do I rejoice always? There were times this year it was not good. I I lost a job I I didn't want to lose. I I had to deal with a sickness I didn't want to deal with. How, How could I rejoice in that? I would say to you, if you're, first of all, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know Jesus loves you. Now, it sounds like something we say to children, and we do, but think about it. He loved you enough to die for you. He loved you enough to offer his life, to come as a baby. We talked about it last week. And when you think about that, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you have eternal life with Jesus ahead of you, no matter what happens on this earth. You can rejoice always. You can always fall back on that. Now, if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you're not a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to examine that. See if it's worth becoming a follower of Jesus to you because then you can have joy in all circumstances. Then when life on this earth seems like it's just the worst and there's nothing to get better, we always know we have better coming if we know Jesus because we know that our eternal life is with him. The second thing he says is pray continually. And here's what I would say. When we're in a situation, we don't know what God's doing. We kind of look at God and we go, I don't know what's going on here. I don't don't know what you're doing. Pray. And even when you think you've prayed enough, pray some more. Because what does that do? It doesn't mean God is going to automatically give you the answers you need. But it does mean that you'll be connecting with him over and over and over again. And you'll be able to have that conversation and to be able to be ready for what God wants to do in and through you. And so when you pray, 
and you connect with him, you can follow his will and understand maybe a little bit more piece by piece what he's doing in your life. The last thing is give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will. I had a professor in college and he would teach us that sometimes in God's word, there are commands or there are instructions given that have something attached to them that are like, in this situation, you need to do this, or in this situation, you need to do that. And it's only in those situations. But there are sometimes commands and instructions given in scripture where there's no qualifier. It's just simply no matter what, this is what you're supposed to do always. And here's what Paul is saying when he says, give thanks in all circumstances. He's saying there's no circumstance where we shouldn't give thanks. That doesn't mean only when I have a job. It doesn't mean only when my bank account is where I want it. It doesn't mean only when things are going the way that I think they should go. He says, give thanks in all circumstances because that is God's will for our life. And even when things aren't going the way that we think they should go, we can be thankful that God is doing something in us. And I believe that what we want isn't as good as what God knows we need. See, God's always at work. He's always doing something in our lives. And we don't always see what that means. But if we pay attention to him, if we pursue him, we'll see the evidence of that in our lives. And as much as we look at 2020 and we want 2021 to be so much better, what we don't want to do and what I don't want us to leave today doing, we don't want to miss what God was doing through us in 2020. We don't want to miss what he is encouraging us with and what he is building into us. And I personally, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for Grace Family Church because I believe that we as individuals are being grown in 2020, into 2021. And I believe we as a church are growing in 2020 and 2021. I believe that what God did through us, what God did with us, the new ways that we learn to do ministry, the new avenues we have to reach people are all part of God's plan. It's all going to be part of what we're able to do in the future. And it's all about the people that we're going to be able to reach. And I honestly believe that years from now, whether it's in 2021 and 2022, 2025, there will be days and moments where we look back and we go, man, what happened in 2020 led us to this place and it led to this person coming to know Jesus. I believe that's the case because I believe God is in control and he's moving in all of these situations, even when we don't understand what he's doing. You know, there's a Christmas song it's one of my favorite Christmas songs, but it's not one of the most mainstream ones, and it's called Seasons. It's by Hillsong. I just want to read some of the lyrics here as we end our time together today. The lyrics go like this. I can see the promise. I can see the future. And you're the God of seasons, and I'm just in the winter. If all I know of harvest is that it's worth my patience, then if you're not done working, God, I'm not done waiting. And God is a God of seasons. We all know, like right now I look out my window, there's still snow on the ground. Things don't grow in winter, but winter is necessary. Winter is a part of the process, and God created it that way. And sometimes in winter, we just don't know what God is doing, but he's doing something. And it's on us sometimes to be patient and to just allow God to work in the ways he's going to work in us. And if we engage with him and we walk with him closely, we're going to see the fruit of that. I guarantee you, 2020 won't last forever. Things are going to change. Maybe they'll never be quite the same, 
but they're going to get back to a little bit of normal. But we don't want to miss what God was doing in our lives as individuals and as a church as well. So I challenge you, what good came out of 2020? In what ways should we respond? In what ways can we care for one another? In what ways do we need to be thankful in all circumstances, even though things didn't go the way that we planned this year? And how can we look forward to and be ready for what God is going to do in and through us in 2021? I hope that you're doing that personally, and I can't wait for us to do that together as a church in 2021. God is always working for the good in us. May we see some of that good come in 2021.